let's lift our hands and our voices in worship. Glory, hallelujah. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day that we can gather in your house to praise you, Lord, to lift our voices and to celebrate your birth. Thank you, Lord, for that privilege and for that opportunity, Lord. We want to take advantage of it, God, by giving you our very best gift of praise and worship and to magnify you, Lord, as the King, the Holy King, the mighty God and the everlasting Father in the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody said praise the Lord. Amen. My, that's beautiful singing. Amen. And what beautiful congregation of smiling faces we have with us today on this Christmas morning. Hallelujah. I was driving to church this morning and I was thinking, how wonderful it is to have Christmas on Sunday. I'm excited about that. Keep Jesus as the focal point of all that we do. And I am so glad that you have joined us today. It's so good to see uh, some uh, family members that we don't often get a chance to see that are here with us today. And we just celebrate all of you being here and the family of God coming together from all different places and different opportunities to join together. We're even looking forward to next year. I believe it's the weekend of March 18th and 19th. We're going to be celebrating our 50th year anniversary as a church. We're going to have a homecoming choir. Looking forward to having a great time. Some folks coming back and being with us that we haven't seen in a while. And maybe you were raised in this church or you have family that's here. Thank you for coming and being with us today. I turn your attention to the book of Matthew chapter 1. And we're excited to tell you that last night, amen, in addition to our candlelight communion service, where we had several hundred people that were here for that beautiful service. Some of you may have been a part of that. But our prison ministry team also went to uh, the prison over in Orlando and uh, under the direction of Sister Marietta Padgett and her team, they uh, ministered to over 80 inmates that come on a voluntary basis to those services. And at least four were refilled with the gift of the Holy Ghost on Christmas Eve. Amen. We're excited to work with uh, our prison ministry and all these other uh, charities that you heard about uh, that we are able to partner with in our community and uh, other churches as well that uh, we've been able to reach out and to send uh, specific gifts to them. It really is more blessed to give than to receive. What a joy it is to give. Amen. And to be a part of so many different lives that are being touched. It's such a great honor and a great privilege. And I'm glad that you're here. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through verse 21. And then I want to read one verse in Hebrews. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. How many of you are glad that over 2,000 years later, it's still that saving name of Jesus that's saving us from our sins. What a mighty God we serve. 
And in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. I would like to speak this morning for a few moments in your hearing on this simple subject, the substance of a Savior. The substance of a Savior. Would you bow your heads and pray, Lord, what a privilege it is to be in your house. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to lift up your name. I pray that you would anoint lips to speak your word without fear or favor. And I ask you, God, that you would anoint hearts to be able to receive your word, minds that could receive your word, Lord. Put it in our heart and in our spirit. Let it change us from the inside out. And we'll give you praise for all things. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. The birth of Jesus was spectacular in many ways. One of the best parts of this miraculous birth is that it was a physical manifestation of an invisible promise that was given for hundreds of years. Romans says that he speaketh those things that be not as though they were. The first chapter of Romans also goes on to say the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that we are without excuse. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, we are eyewitnesses of the story becoming substance, the promise becoming a person, the message becoming a manifestation, the hope becoming a healer. This is what Bethlehem was all about. Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. It was not anything new in terms of God's power and God's essence, but it was that manifestation or that that was already there in a spirit world becoming visible in a natural world. He robed himself in flesh. He was and is the substance of things hoped for. For years they had hoped for a Messiah. For years they had hoped for a Savior. And now he becomes that substance of things hoped for. That tangible manifestation of years and years of promises. I rise today to tell you that he's still a God that you can know for yourself. He's still a God that you can get your arms around. We don't suggest today that you have to believe in some sort of fairy tale or some sort of a mystical story that doesn't have any realities in your present life. I've come to tell you of a God that you can know for yourself, you can feel for yourself. He can make a tangible difference in your life. So many people go through life without any hope, not knowing that tomorrow could ever be better than yesterday. But when you meet this Savior, this Jesus Christ, the substance of our Savior is one that you can hope for and He will not disappoint you. And you give your heart to God, you don't have to worry about being disappointed because God's always going to give you more than you ask for. He's going to bless you in more ways than you ever thought was possible because that's the substance of a Savior. He doesn't leave you disappointed. Leave you hanging, leave you wondering why. But he's the substance of things hoped for. Sure, the readers of Scripture search for him. But the substance of a Savior is that he also searches for us. 
I believe that's an important thing for us to understand. Not only do the seekers of Christ find him, but ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ seeks for us as well. I heard a story uh, about a man who was a new pastor and moved into town and taken over a small church. He was, he was out one day visiting the different parishioners in his church and everything was going pretty well until he got to one house and it was obvious that somebody was home, but as he knocked on the door several times, nobody came to the door. Finally, he just took out his card. He had a, a card that he had made up that showed that he was the pastor of the new church and, and he just wrote on the card, he just wrote Revelation 3.20. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. And he just wrote that scripture on that card and, and just put it there in the door and thought, you know, maybe the person will see this and know that, you know, I came by to visit them. And so he didn't think much about it. But later in the week, uh, he was counting the offering and he found that same card that he had put at those people's house. He found it in the collection plate. And sure enough, there it was, Revelation 3.20 was right on the front of it, and he thought, well, that's wonderful. They got the card, and they came to church that day. But then he turned the card over, and he realized they had written Genesis 3.10 on the back of the card. He opened his Bible, and he read Genesis 3.10, and it said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. <laughs> we sometimes want to hide when we consider the glory of God. We consider His greatness and His majesty, especially at this time of the year. We see our own failings and our own faults and all of the mistakes and the scars and the things that we've done that we're not proud of, and, and we just want to shrink back from it all. But ladies and gentlemen, He sees all of our weaknesses. He sees the frailty of our flesh, and when we want to disappear, I've come to tell you today about a Savior who has the substance of a seeker. He will seek you out. In fact, there were times in your life that God stood by your side, and you didn't even know it. He was an invisible force of strength and hope, and He shielded you, and He protected you, and you can... You can know today beyond a shadow of a doubt that if it wasn't for the Lord, you wouldn't even be here today. But God saw you where you were, and he didn't give up on you. When other people were giving up on you, God wasn't giving up on you. He was the substance of things hoped for. But ladies and gentlemen, that substance is not static. He is not passive. He is active. He is the fulfillment of everything that we have longed for. For so many years. And he is also, ladies and gentlemen, a savior with a mission. He sought after Saul, whose name was later changed to Paul whenever he was converted. But Saul was a very devout Pharisee and he was doing what he thought was the will of God. He was hunting down and he was persecuting Christians. And the Bible said he even held the coat of, of, a, of a, a bunch of executioners that were stoning a young preacher by the name of Stephen. We read about that in uh, Acts uh, seven and eight, and we see that this was a man who was very devout and he was very passionate. But God, he didn't wait for Saul to come hunting for him. Saul was one that God went after. That's the substance of the Savior that you and I serve. He will seek you down. He will find you. Some people are, feel like, well, you know, I've, I've been raised in church, but I want to do my own thing. I'm going to tell you what, God will find you right where you are. 
I've been on the airplane with people that were raised in church. I remember one time being on the airplane with a man in the middle of a, of a lightning storm. The airplane got struck by lightning. We were on a Delta jet, and it looked like it was going to crash, and it boomed and rolled over on its side, and we thought, we're all going to die, we're all going to die. This man got out in the, in the floorboard of the airplane and started saying, Jesus, don't fail me now. And we thought it was all over. I reached forward. I said, are you a Christian? He said, I am now. I said, well, come up here and sit next to me. Come to find out he was raised in a Pentecostal church in Jamaica when he was a boy. He said, boy, when I thought my life was over, I couldn't think about all the other stuff I was chasing. He said, I've been chasing money. I live in Atlanta now, and I got a great job, and I got a family. But he said, there's still an emptiness in my life. He said, I think this whole lightning storm was just for me. I said, well, Jonah, come right up here and sit right here. We're not going to throw you off the plane. We're not going to throw you off the plane. We sat in that plane together and we prayed in the name of Jesus. He said, when I land, I'm going back to church because God's got my attention. Ladies and gentlemen, he may have to rattle your car, rattle your plane, rattle your mind, rattle your finances, but God can get your attention. Oh, I've come to tell somebody today, that's the substance of our Savior. He searches, he reaches, he loves you more than you can imagine. He's not going to give up on you. Even when you give up on yourself, the substance of our Savior is one that He doesn't give up on you. Uh, he didn't give up on Saul. The Bible says in Acts 9 that Saul was persecuting the church in Jerusalem, wrecking havoc among the Christians. And the Savior, our Savior, Jesus Christ, He became the hunter rather than the hunted. He became the seeker rather than the seeky. He knocked Saul off of his horse with a bright light from heaven and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Saul said, well, who art thou, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, that ought to tell you right there all you need to know. Who art thou, Lord? That position of Lord is one that is of an esteemed individual, a person of position and hierarchy. But he said, I am Jesus, because there's authority in the name. He said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Well, I tell you what, that's the end of the story right there. Whatever I got to do to make things right. Well, just one chapter earlier, a man from Ethiopia, Ethiopia was riding in his chariot, returning from Jerusalem, where he had gone to worship, the Bible said, and he was reading Isaiah about the promise of the Savior. Ethiopia was not just around the corner. It wasn't, you know, just someplace nearby. It was across the desert. And then down through Africa. I mean, it was a ways from Jerusalem. And it wasn't like back then you could just, you know, catch a plane and fly to Jerusalem. No, he had risked his life in, in many weeks to get there. I'm going to tell you what, folks. He was seeking for a Savior. And God will always find a way if you seek after him. The substance of our Savior is that he will make a way where there seems to be no way. Oh, yes, he will. And the Lord cared enough about this man that he took Philip, one of his preachers, out of a red-hot revival in Samaria, plopped him down right in the middle of the desert by Gaza, just so this man could have the scripture interpreted for him and for him to be baptized in the name of Jesus when they did in an oasis that they found in the middle of a desert. Oh, my friend, God will direct your steps. A few weeks ago, we met, uh, my wife and I were changing over to Verizon with our cell phone service. And so we went down here at Malabar and we met this wonderful lady that was taking care of us. Her name was Nora and she's such a nice lady and taking care of us and the store was closing and Everybody went home, and she still took care of us and got us all transferred over and got us the right phones. And then she said, my husband also works for Verizon. He works over on the beach side, but they've got one of the phones that you want over there, and, and we'll bring it. And if you want to, just, you know, you and the kids can just come over to our house. 
I mean, this was after hours. She said, you know, he's going to bring it to the house. You guys are welcome to come over to the house. And I'm thinking, this is good service. I'm already impressed with Verizon. Man, the people in the store want us to come to their house and pick up the phone. And I said, well, we don't, you know, I mean, it was like 8, 9 o'clock by now. And she said, oh, no. We so we got to talking, you know, and, and uh, I was asking her about, you know, these international texting plans and all that. And she said, well, do you travel a lot overseas? And I said, well, I, I'm a pastor, so we do missions works and all that. And she said, oh, really? And we got to talking about all of that. And I noticed that her name had two vowels on the end. I said, you know, where are you from, Nora? And she said, I'm from Egypt. And I said, Egypt? She said, yep. She said, I'm one of them. And I said, awesome. One of what? She said, I'm one that converted from Islam to Christianity. I said, hallelujah. I said, how'd that happen? She said, I met my, my boyfriend. He was raised uh, in Kabbalah. That's a real orthodox style of Christianity that's uh, pretty big in the in Egypt area. And uh, she said he was raised that, but then when he got, became a teenager, he got away from it. But then the Lord started uh, and putting uh, uh, impressions on his heart and his spirit, and he, and he came back to God, and he met the Lord in a special way, and he received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. She's telling us all this in the Verizon store. And she said he started witnessing to me, and my family was Muslim, and my dad captured me in the house for six months and wouldn't let me go out of the house, and they brought sheikhs over. This is like, you know, the hierarchy in the Islam faith. And all they would do is bombard me with the Islam faith every day, and they took my phone, and they locked me in the house for six months. And, but she said the Lord would keep working little miracles. I'd find a little SIM card, and, and I'd call, and this and that. And God started working. Her sister lived in Toronto. I mean, they started telling all this story. I said, you guys have got to come to church. And they said, we'll do it. So a couple of weeks ago, they were here in service with us on on Sunday night, her husband, uh, Fady, they were here with us. And, and uh, afterwards, I said, let's go out and eat. So we went down to Cracker Barrel, and I said, you guys have got to tell us now your whole story. They got to tell their story. I'm telling you what, we had church right in Cracker Barrel. I said, how good of a God do we serve? They started telling us one miracle after another. And uh, he got, went through the education. He got a good job, and he's in Egypt. And, and her sister had to get her from Toronto and get around her dad's house and conv convince him that she was going back to the Islam faith. But the whole time, God was working on her heart and pouring his spirit out. And here she was, locked in a house all by herself. But the Holy Ghost can find you wherever you are. Oh, hallelujah. She's in Toronto. He's in Egypt. And, and they got to, you know, they got to find a way to meet. So they meet at the International Airport and John F. Kennedy in New York. And she, he proposes to her at the John F. Kennedy Airport. But he can't get into America. She can't get in America. Anyhow, God keeps working all these miracles. And he says, God gives him a vision and says that he is to go to Melbourne. He said, Melbourne, Australia. He said, I looked all over Melbourne, Australia. I couldn't figure out how I was supposed to get to Melbourne, Australia. And he said, the Lord showed me a map. And he said, I looked at this map, and it was a picture of Florida. He said, I didn't even know there was a Melbourne, Florida. Here he was over in Egypt. He's trying to find a way to, to uh, he's, they, they got engaged. They came over, they got married. Then he went back, so now they're married. She's in Canada, he's in Egypt. And they're trying to figure out, and God just works it out with the job and works it out with this and that and the visa. And before they know it, they get over here to Florida, but they're in West Palm Beach. They're not in Melbourne yet. Everything's going good. He finds out you got to have credit to get an apartment. He didn't know anything about credit, but a guy they never met before just comes up to him and says, I'll co-sign for your apartment. And by the way, i got a car I want to give you. I'm telling you what, folks, if you're hungry for God, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. 
He said, God started pr- promoting Nora on her, her job down there. And he said, she started getting promoted. I started getting promoted. Everything was going good. He said, Lord, I thank you for making all. And the Lord said, not yet. You're not where you're supposed to be yet. And he said, what's that? And he said, he reminded me I was supposed to be in Melbourne. So I had to get that map back out. And he said, we didn't know what we were doing. We just drove up here to Melbourne. He said, we're up here in Melbourne. We're looking for a church. And he said, I'm so glad we found y'all. I said, well, you won't believe this. I had been to three other Verizon stores and walked out because I wasn't getting good service. But I realize now God had it planned for me to come to this Verizon store. Oh, Hallelujah. Folks, you don't know God's directing your steps. You don't know who God's going to put you in contact with. They just texted us yesterday. They said, we can't wait to see you. The Holy Ghost is moving. I'm here to tell you that God is a God that will find you where you are. You can be in another country. You can be behind bars. You can be in a drug rehab center. But if you've got a heart that's hungry for God, the substance of my Savior is that he will find you where you are. Oh, yes, he will. Oh, come on. You ought to clap your hands under the Lord and thank him that he is a seeking Savior. They were telling us that testimony in Cracker Barrel. I couldn't help but think of Hebrews eleven twenty-seven. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. This young couple... In their 20s. They didn't know where they were going. They didn't have no, they were just following the invisible God that just kept manifesting himself. It'd be easy for us to stay in Egypt and have a good job and, and families and all. But you know what? God's directing us. Hallelujah. And sure, it may seem to be invisible. That's why it's a walk of faith. But as you put one step, then the miracle materializes. And as you take another step, the Savior becomes substance. And as you take another step, the invisible things are clearly seen. And evidence is presented. Ladies and gentlemen. That's the way my God works. It goes from an invisible world to a very visible world. The Bible tells us that Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee and was a member of the Sanhedrin, which was Israel's highest court, and it was actually the court that condemned Jesus to death, that this man, Nicodemus, who was a member of this court, came to Jesus by night, and he made it clear that he was searching. He said, Jesus, we know that you are a prophet. And we know that these signs that you're doing are from God. And Jesus began to speak to him and said, you got to be born again, Nicodemus. And of course, Nicodemus trying to fit this into the paradigm of a natural mind said, are we supposed to enter the second time in our mother's womb? He said, no, you got to be born of the water and of the spirit. And after this encounter, we don't necessarily read a lot about Nicodemus, but there are little portals into different portions of the New Testament that tells us that Nicodemus continues his journey of seeking and giving his heart to the Lord. Because the Bible does record that he withstood the advice of his own counsel and even then challenged some of the other Pharisees as we have played out at at times in our Messiah drama where where he challenges the other members of the Sanhedrin and says, should a man be condemned to death before he has told his side of the story? Nicodemus was the one that was there and he was provoking and he was challenging the uh, official position, as it were, of the Sanhedrin court, all because he was trying to advocate for Jesus. He had sought for the Savior, and the substance of our Savior is that once you seek for him, you cannot forget him. You can get busy with this life, but there will always be that gnawing in your soul and in your spirit. And it was like that because we even read that toward the end when Jesus 
was finally crucified on Golgotha. It was Nicodemus that helped Joseph of Arimathea take Jesus' body down from the cross and lay it in a tomb, which was a great risk to his safety and his reputation. Nicodemus also donated, the Bible describes, 75 pounds, as it were, once you do the translation, of expensive myrrh that, and aloes that were to anoint Jesus' body after Jesus had died. He had found, ladies and gentlemen, the substance of things hoped for. And ladies and gentlemen, it went even beyond the grave. Let me tell you something about the substance of this Savior that you and I are serving. This is a hope that goes beyond the grave. Because eventually these bodies... We're going to wear out. They're going to wear down. You know, my mother right now, I ask you that you continue to pray for her. She's in a uh, rehab f- facility because last week she fell and, and, uh, and, and fractured her pelvic bone. And uh, so last night, we usually on Christmas Eve, we'll usually go over to my uh, parents' house and we do gifts for the kids and all that. And, and so she wasn't able to because she's in the center uh, going through rehab and all that. So we had her on uh, FaceTime. And uh, she was saying, okay, that bag's for this boy, and that one's for that. It's frozen again, and we're trying to use technology, and we're moving all around this room, you know. And uh, we're like, Mom, it's not the same, you know, without you here, you know. And we're talking all about this and that. And she's like, well, you know what? She said, I'm not as young as I used to be. But she said, you know what? I've gotten this hospital straight down here. I said, well, what happened? And we went down and visited her, and she said, boy, I tell you one thing, son. You've got to advocate for yourself. And I said, I know, Mom, you've always told me that. And she said, you know what else I always told you? You always go to the top. And I said, yeah, that's right. She said, well, I pushed the button last night for an hour and 15 minutes, and nobody showed up. And she said, I finally got a hold of the head nurse and said, I need this at such and such a time and that at such and such a time. This was the doctor's orders, and I need to make sure that you guys are responding. And the nurse said, well, we're not sure about that. We'll have to go back and check with the doctor. They got it all straight. And she said, no, I can tell you, this is absolutely what the prescription is, and you get it all straight, but then you need to make sure that when your nurses see that the buzzer goes off from my room, that you respond immediately. She said, boy, they've been jumping, 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 coming. And she said another thing. She said, I fill out the menu. Where's, who runs the cafeteria around here? And they'd say, well, the head nutritionist, and they got the head nutritionist there. And the, she said, I filled out all this paperwork when I first got there because I ain't going to lay in bed and get fat and, drink and eat a bunch of starch and a bunch of sugars. I put down everything I wanted to eat and all that. When I got my first three meals, it was as if I never filled out the paperwork. They said, well, we don't know where that is. And she said, well, bring me another one. I filled, filled it all out. She said, now every meal's right. They got up there what I want, what I don't want. What I said, more good for you, Mom. She said, you got to make sure they know who you are in this place. She said, that guy over there has had his head in his plate for 15 minutes and nobody's responded to him. I thought to myself, there's something about the Holy Ghost. These old bodies may wear out, but there's something about the Spirit of God. It doesn't ever wear out. Well, if you got the fire of the Holy Ghost in you, you ought to thank God every day because this is the substance of our Savior. It goes beyond what this natural body can even endure. You've got the Spirit of God in you. You've got an everlasting, eternal gift. You know how it's going to go. This is Christmas morning. You know, some of you have already unwrapped a bunch of gifts. You've already given your kids all those things. They've been excited about it for 10, 15 minutes. Sometimes they get more fascinated with the box than they do the prize that's inside. And you think, oh, this is going to be awesome. But by tomorrow, you're going to be wondering where that gift is. I mean, you get these natural gifts, folks. They last for a while, but then they just don't seem to provide the same excitement after a while. 
I'm going to tell you something about the substance of our Savior. When you receive the essence of His Spirit, it's not something that's only for a moment. It gets better and better and sweeter and sweeter. <laughs> Hebrews 11 goes on to say, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark by the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. The substance of your Savior is that he makes a way of escape even before the judgment is visible. Let me make sure I say that again. The substance of our Savior is that he makes a way of escape even before the judgment is visible. I remember one day coming back from Gainesville on the Interstate 75 and I was coming back from a Bible quiz tournament. My jacket was hang, hung up in the back seat of my car. At that time, I had a probe turbo, and it was uh, kind of like a little sports car. And uh, I was driving down Interstate 75, and I was just thinking about how the Lord had blessed us in that service. And I was just thanking the Lord and worshiping the Lord in that car and uh, the tur quiz tournament we'd had, a service that had followed it. And so we were just uh, talking to the Lord, and, and all of a sudden, even before I realized, I had gotten hit on the interstate, flipping two and a half times in the air. When that car landed upside down, the whole thing was smashed. I crawled out from that car thinking it was going to blow up at any moment. It was upside down in the median at night, Interstate 75, hit by a drunk driver. When I crawled out of that car, I looked around, and I didn't even have a cut on my hand. And they flipped that car over when those emergency personnel came, and the record came and all that, and they said, you come out of that car? I said, yes. They said, somebody upstairs is looking after you. They said, now you'll be sore after a while. You still need to go to the hospital. I said, I feel good. I'm going to tell you what. I was never even sore. That car had flipped two and a half times in the air. I didn't have a seat belt on. They found my jacket that was hanging up in the back seat. They found it 150 yards from where the car came to a stop. And they said, who are you? I said, I'm a preacher. They said, that explains it. They said, you won't believe the number of people that we have found. They said, let me ask you another question. Were you worshiping, praying, or singing before the accident? I said, well, as a matter of fact, I was. They said, that's another thing we hear all the time. When people that come out of these accidents miraculously, it's always because they were singing and praying. I said, I'll tell you why. God makes a way of escape before you even know you're in danger. Good God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Oh, I'm going to tell you what, if God puts a song in your heart, you better go ahead and sing. He's preparing a way of escape. If God puts a prayer in your spirit, you ought to go ahead and thank Him in advance. He's making a way of escape. The substance of our Savior took form in the manger of Bethlehem. It was the way of escape before judgment came. It was the ark. Before the flood came. By faith Abraham when he was called to go out into a place where he should. After receive for an inheritance. Obeyed. Notice that. You have to obey first before you get the inheritance. And he went out. Not knowing whether he went. That's the substance of our Savior. It's an act of faith. It's a step of faith. But then it materializes as you walk in the promise. As you walk in the miracle. By faith. Verse 9 of. Hebrews 11 says, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with whom of the same promise. For he looked for a city which had foundations, 
who builder and maker is God. Now notice the contrast between verses 9 and 10. In verse 9, he's dwelling in tabernacles, and tabernacles, ladies and gentlemen, is a temporary place. But he was looking for a city that had foundations, because that means it's a permanent place. The tabernacles were temporary, but the city with foundations was permanent. The substance of our Savior is that He is not some passing fad. He is not some storytelling fable. This is not some antiquated story of 2,000 years ago. That is some vain tradition. Ladies and gentlemen, our God is getting better and better and sweeter and sweeter. He is a God, hallelujah, that is just as relevant today as He was 2,000 years ago. I heard a story about a little girl that was sitting on her grandfather's lap as he read her a bedtime story. And from time to time, she would take her eyes off the book and and she would reach up and sort of touch his face and the wrinkled skin and and the wrinkles in his cheek. And and then she would touch her little soft cheek and and then she would touch her grandfather's face and the bags around his eyes and and the wrinkles. and, And then she would touch her own face. And finally she said, Grandpa, did God make you? And he said, yes, sweetheart, a long time ago, God made me. And she said, Grandpa, did God make me? And and he said, yes, honey, God made you just a little while ago. She looked at Grandpa again, felt his face and felt her face again. She said, it seems like God's getting better and better at this. The substance of our Savior is that He's not a deteriorating substance. He's an invigorating evidence. Oh, I said He's an invigorating evidence. This is what Moses understood. By faith, verse 24 says, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. The substance of our Savior is that He gives you clarity so that you can say no to the harm of instant gratification and yes to what really matters and what really gives you purpose. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the story of Bethlehem. It did not look like a very glamorous birth, but it was the evidence of things not seen. The cross looked like a failed life with a gory finish, but it was the evidence of things not seen. Salvation is the substance of our Savior. You can't see salvation, but I'll tell you today, it's worth looking into. You can't see the Spirit of God per se, but it's worth investigating because faith allows you to see the invisible. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Why not make this Christmas, this day, the Savior of your substance, salvation in your life? That that really has purpose. That that really has meaning. Because of all the gift exchanging that will go on today, your Savior has some gifts for you today. I said he's got some gifts that he wants you to unwrap. Oh, yes, he does. And it's more valuable than anything else you could receive. 
Somebody may have a brand new car out there with a big red bow on it for you in just a few moments. It's going to be hard for y'all to focus on the altar call now, I can see. (laughs) But it wouldn't compare to the gifts that our Savior has. Because the substance of our Savior is that He's a rewarder. The Bible says He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek after Him. You say, Pastor, what gifts does the Lord have for me? Let me just tell you about three very specific gifts. Last night we read out of Matthew 2 about the wise men that came from the east and brought three gifts to Jesus. Let me tell you three gifts that our Lord has for you today. First of all, he has repentance, which is you can have your sins forgiven. What an awesome gift that is. You can just simply ask him, God, forgive me of every sin, and Jesus will forgive you. Just simply by asking. You don't have to qualify for it. You don't have to be worthy because none of us are worthy. But all you have to do is ask, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of every sin. The second gift that Jesus wants to give you is remission of sins through baptism in Jesus' name. You say, well, what's remission of sins? That's where your sins are removed. You see, your sins can be forgiven, but there can still be a record of it. But when your sins are remitted, the record is expunged and there's no evidence. And when the devil tries to bring up your past, you just remind him of his future. Because the Bible says they can't find all of your offenses anymore because the blood of Jesus has come down and covered it all. And the record is tainted. The enemy's running around having a bad day because your sins have been remitted and removed and you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. That's an awesome gift. And the best gift of all is that outpouring of his spirit, that resurrection spirit. And this is why when they asked Peter in Acts chapter 2, what must we do to be saved? He said, you got to repent of your sins, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift. I'm so glad he described it as the gift. The gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the greatest gift that you could have. The gift of the Holy Ghost. You say, how do we receive those gifts? All you have to do is come and receive. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Say, Pastor, I can't can't see God with my natural eye. That's true. But your spirit can see him. As he stands before you with his hands outstretched, you can see heaven. Because you're not just a natural being. God created every one of us as spiritual beings also. And inside of us, there is something that is drawn to our creator, to our savior. You can see that he cares for you. In the flesh, it seems like a distant dream. But something within you is starting to bring that heavenly place into focus. It's the substance of things hoped for. Everything you've longed for. You won't find it in anything that this world has to offer. But there are some gifts from heaven today that are available to you. I wonder right now if everybody in this building, those of you that may be watching by internet, would you bow your heads right now? And I ask you to close your eyes. I want to pray with you. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the substance 
of our Savior that gives us hope where there seems to be no hope. God, you understand the frailty of our flesh. You understand, God, the times that we feel like that there's no relief, there's no escape, there's no hope. But God, you've come to remind us today that you're the substance of things hoped for. You're the evidence of things not seen. And you have what every one of us is longing for. And I ask you, Lord, as we respond to you today, I ask you, God, that these gifts be distributed to your people. You created all of us, Lord, in your image. You stamped each one of us, Lord, with an imprint. And we can never get away from that. We're your children. We're your creation, oh God. And we long for you. I pray that you would give your people courage today to respond. Courage to come to you in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. On this beautiful Christmas morning, I, don't want, to, I want to invite you to step out from where you're standing and come down to this altar. And I want you to come down and receive the gift that God has for you. If you've never asked God into your heart, that's a gift that God wants to give you. Or maybe you have, but you said, I've never been baptized in the name of Jesus. What better time than Christmas morning to be baptized in the saving name of Jesus? You say, Pastor, I've loved the Lord for many years. I felt God guiding me. Even when I didn't know what it was, I knew God's hand was in my life. But I've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Can I tell you that God has that gift for you today? Why don't you come right now? People are coming from all over. Why don't you make your way down to the front? Come and stand at this altar right now and say, Lord, here I am. I'm ready to receive from you. Your heavenly Father has your gifts in Jesus' name. God bless you. And so I praise you. I lift you up.